holding me close and man my weary heart What wouldn't I do to get to know you Another better than I already do And to follow that road to whatever end Eternity or around the next bend what wouldn't I do to kiss your sweet lips And the smell of your skin I surely miss And that squint of your eye when you offer a smile it could carry me through any ordeal or drive Good morning and welcome to episode 296 of Taking the Charge Podcast with you from Belgrade, Serbia. I'm David Hine of High News. Thank you for stopping by. Final Four time, EuroLeague Final Four, and um, yeah, can't uh, can't wait. Uh, haven't really watched uh, loads of EuroLeague this season, but um, the Final Four is always a fantastic event, and uh, it's it's always a thrill to be here and and take part and watch these uh, amazing athletes in this amazing game, uh, the Europeans Elite Competition. And uh, yeah, just totally excited. Again, even though haven't watched much Euroleague basketball this season, and um, yeah, uh, Friday can't come soon enough. Even though Thursday, Thursday is the start of the Adidas Next Generation Tournament Finals, and of course I'll be covering that for Euroleague. Uh, all those games. I don't know if actually I've said this. Uh, all those games will be broadcast on YouTube, so you can follow those games. Uh, a bit of housekeeping before we um, go on. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter. That's High News, H E I N N E W S. The website is highnews.com. Email address is highnews at gmx.de. Uh, you can go to the Facebook group. Just put in the search bar, Taking the Charge Podcast. Um, there is the. Uh, you can go to iTunes, rate and review the show, and you can become a Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash taking the charge. For those of you who might not have heard last week, last week's show, um, I did make the announcement that um, the only a couple more shows, um, I will be ending the show on June 13th, which is June thir- 13th is, which is the, um, the 300th episode uh and uh so this episode and then four more and uh yeah so in case for those who hadn't heard it last week i just wanted to let you know that uh that we will be wrapping this baby up Uh, i figured 300 is a wonderful big round number and uh and we can let it sit we can let's taking the charge sit at 300 um yeah so i'm not going to really talk too much uh Euroleague we have um uh a great a great uh, chat with uh the wonderful Austin Green who's uh um kind of taken over um as one of the main guys at Euroleague Adventures and uh had been back on the sh- back, he was on the show uh I guess we said all just a little over two two years ago and comes back to the show uh today and uh, yeah, so we go in depth about the Euroleague. Um, I guess we we can talk a little bit about the um, Adidas Next Generation fi- tournament. 
Um, and so just to kind of go through that, um, I think I think probably the only team that um, I, I guess would be a, a real surprise if they win the title would be us, the reigning champion CFBB, Paris, Incept. Uh, just, you know, they don't have... Um, they don't have a lot of experienced talent. Um, they have a lot of young guys, and um, I think they only have two guys in the 2000-born class, which is what the tournament is. Uh, and so I think that's going to be really difficult for them to to compete at the level. And uh, so I, I think that's probably the only team where you really have to say that it's probably a stretch to think that they could win it um if you look at the other teams in group a you also have um surveying as the mts belgrade um obviously uh zoran Paunovic is just a fantastic talent uh it's not just him um i i really like uh nemanja popovic who's a late december 2001 born um uh boyan Tan- T- uh, tomasovic took uh, Montenegro to the final of the U16 European Championship last summer. Um, uh, Lazar Zavanovic is a, is a is a is a strong presence off off the bench at the point guard position. Uh, Aryan Lakic can play really well at times, just sometimes it's a little bit inconsistent. Um Divina Segura's Juventus Barcelona I really like this team, and I I think that they um, actually let me see. I want to break these down in in group in the groups. Um, yeah. Okay. So along with, with along with CFBB in Group A is Letos Ritos, Vilnius CFB, um, Real Madrid, and Mega. So Mega. Uh, if you look at Mega. Um, you have uh, interesting is going to be uh, how much uh, you know um, Igor Drapnik can play. He didn't play at the under at the uh, the Belgrade tournament back in February. He was uh, still injured, uh, so he'll be a big part of that. I really like their 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 power forward Alexander Lagovic. Um, Luka Seravina obviously was on the all tournament team, and um, and he's already played for their senior team, mega senior team. Uh, you look at uh, Alton uh, Islamovic, he played a really good uh, finals last year. Um, didn't really play too well in Belgrade, so I can imagine he'll probably be, be playing a little bit better. Uh, Bogdan Nedeljkovic really is a, a, a really great all-around player, just just a little bit inconsistent as far as um, bringing, you know, bringing the game the whole time. Letos Ritos, you know, Servitas is just a fantastic all-around guard, big, big guy, and can can drive and shoot and, and pass, and just a great leader. Marek Blazovic, great um, low-post player, you know, still learning the game. Um, uh, Damantas Villas, you know, he's a, uh, an excellent point guard, solid point guard that uh, just runs a show. Uh, uh, Pauchka, I, I, you know, as a big guy, two nineteen. So what's that, seven two or something around there? And 
you know, he runs the floor really well. And they have a lot of guys that are just <laughs> un- unspectacular. You know, you look at um, you look at Valunta, you look at Yarambauskas, uh, um, and, and it's really unspectacular guys. Uh, but really just they they know exactly what they need to do. Um, moving on to Real Madrid, whereas, well, yeah, I guess whereas Ritos really only have one or two top-notch, let's say, higher-level guys, Real Madrid just has loads of loads of amazing guys, Mario Nakic, uh, Usman Yaruba, uh, Melvin, Adst- uh, Melvin uh, Ponster, uh, Golden Dyke, uh, Amar Silla is, is just so much fun to watch. I don't know exactly how much uh, Kareem Queeley is going to be playing. He didn't end up playing at the under at the uh, under eighteen championship in France uh, in in Spain. At least he didn't play the final, so I don't know how much he's going to be playing. Um, Diego de Blas had a, had a big game in the final. Is a big part of that team. Uh, Zalmar coming off the bench is, is a nice piece as well. So it's going to be a good group. Um, the other side, Group B, uh, Svezda, Joventut, Bayern Munich, and Stella Zura. Um, let's do uh, let's do Bayern first. Um, they'll have three lone players, those being Alvin Onier, Onia, um, O'Shane Drews, and Christopher Kleinkes. Uh, but their main guys are going to be, again, Killian Penetful, uh, Machi Rudan, probably a little bit of um, Sasha Grant as well, Bruno Versic. So first time uh, at the for Bayern Munich to be in this competition and um, start off right away with Stella Zura. Stella Zura is a really big team, so I wonder how they're going to deal with that with that height. Um, go to Stella Zura, so they're not going to have Aristida Maua, their their all tournament all tournament team point uh, point guard. Uh, I haven't um, talked to the the guys at Stella Zura, so I imagine he's injured. Can't imagine they wouldn't bring him um, for any other reason. So, but we'll see. Uh, but Stella Zura, so they will have Delph. Uh, Dalfa Dempenapio, who's a Filipino, a uh, Rome-born Filipino. He was unable to, couldn't get a visa for the United States for the Kaunas tournament and um, because the team was going to, to, to the U.S. after the tournament, and so he didn't actually play in Kaunas. Um, he'll be there. Um, he'll be here for, for this tournament. Uh, obviously, the big name is Paliboa. Um, you also have Russell Chetwa. Down low as the big, um, big Cameroon, uh, low post center. Um, Ionella, Ionelli is gonna have to play well, and they're gonna have to have guys off the bench, uh, step up. You know, guys like, you know, one of the young guys. So let's say they're uh, Spagnola or Pena off the bench. Um, Luca Conte is gonna have to probably shoot pretty well. Uh, they've never won a finals game, so if they were to grab a victory, that would be the first time that they've ever won, won a game. So, uh, last other team would be Joventut. Uh, I really like this team, and, and um, 
you know, you look at Artur Sagers, uh, he was fantastic in the in the fine in the in the Spanish U eighteen championship. He's played for the he's played Juventus uh, senior team already. Uh, you look at uh, Didats Cuevas is a winner with the Spanish team. Um, Pedro Barras, the Brazilian, um, Joel Parra, you know, Manel Cygnus, you know, he doesn't look spectacular and neither does uh, Arnal Parado, but uh, these guys just, you know, at the end you'll look at the stats, you'll be like, oh my God, he's done all that and, and uh, just super silent and, and uh, but, you know, really does a lot. And then um, Vincios de Selva, I think he's going to be probably the key, one of the keys to this tournament for them. Uh, if he's going to be able to to handle the 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 the, the, the low post, uh, 2001 born center from Brazil was really raw in the first tournament, and he looked a lot better in the in the U18 Championship last week. Um, but yeah, he's going to play a big role in this team if they want to um, if they want to have some success of uh, some success. Uh, yeah. So who's going to win? Um, uh, Group A, Ritos, uh, Paris, Madrid, and Mega. Um, so this first game on Friday will be Madrid and, and Ritos, and I think that could probably decide the group. I think that probably will um, decide who wins. Uh, I think Ritos will beat Mega, although I think that's going to be a good game. Uh, that's the second game on uh, Thursday, and uh, I think those are two good, solid teams. And um, I just I don't know. I think that Cervino Servitas matchup is going to be fantastic to watch, and um, and uh, and then the Blazovic. Uh, you know, Langovic or or Nedeljkovic is going to be fun. I, I but I think Blazovic is actually going to probably take that. And um, yeah, so I, th I think Ritos. I think Ritos will will grab that. But I think Real Madrid actually take the take the um, take the group. And uh, when does Svezda uh, Svezda Juventut is the first is the final game of day one. Um, um, and I think that'll decide the group. I think um, Svezda and Juventud, uh, 15, 3 p.m., uh, I think that decides the group uh, because I don't think Stella Azura, without the the physical uh, presence um, and drive to the basket that uh, Moa has, I think they're going to miss that a lot at the point guard and um so i think um i think the winner of Svezda Jovantut take the uh takes group b and um yeah so but i'm gonna i'm gonna oh man <laughs> like i said i really like this this Jovantut team uh but i just don't know how they're gonna i don't know how they're gonna stop paunovic um you know as much as cuevas really can win games. He's, he has some really bad decisions, often taking you know long shots, uh, real early in the shot clock, or let's say you know like with fourteen, you know twelve fourteen seconds left on the shot clock, and does that way too much. And um, and 
But on the other hand, I think I think that the 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 bigs, although I like Popovich, and he's still he's still pretty still pretty young. You know, December, like I said, late December '01, so he's basically 2002. Um, but that you know, and and Tomasevich, you know, he can take his game outside. Um, but you know, Parado and Para, I just think those guys are going to do it. I think I I really think that the that Juventus is going to grab that victory and and uh, and maybe take that group and then face up against Real Madrid rematch of the U eighteen uh, uh, Spanish Championship game. And um, you know, last time Juventus was here uh, as a uh, um, as the non-returning champion, you know they've only been in this tournament three, two times, and the first time was 2013 when they won the championship. Uh, and they were deadly; they were really close. They came back, I think, from a 12-point deficit um, in the Spanish championship game, and and ended up uh, losing by something like five or six points. Um, and they'll be extra motivated to to get it done here. Um, and and you know I, <laughs> you know, it's it's kind of like everybody's kind of been doubting Jagiris all year as, as far as the yearly goes, and people you know looked at Juventus and they said you know they're not going to beat Barcelona and they beat Barcelona. Um, I don't know if I'm ready to pick them beating Real Madrid. Uh, that's tough. That's really tough. I I I think that 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 Garuba Nakic. Uh, Garubanakic Pansar axis is is just a little too strong. Dyke and you know the blast. They got so many weapons. Sula can you know erase things on the defensive end. Um, they're definitely more spectacular than the workmen like Jovantut. I think it's gonna be a great game. I think if that's the final and and so I don't know. Uh, if I have to pick one. Hard over, hard over my overhead. Um, I'm gonna go with Real Madrid, but um, it definitely you know Juventud could grab this thing. Watch Juventud lose the first game too to to Svezda, um, and that you know that would be Paunovic if that happens. That's Paunovic uh, scored 31 in the uh, in overtime, hit the game winner in the under 19 junior cha- championship in uh, in Serbia. So. Uh, should be fun. Should be fun. Um, all right. So that's the uh, Data Next Generation tournament. Again, all, all those games are going to be on on YouTube. Uh, I'll be calling half of the games. The other games are going to be called by Dane Arlauskas, who's been calling Euroleague games. And speaking of Euroleague, let's move over to the the Euroleague. Um, again, as mentioned at the, at the top of the show, um, bring it, brought back um, Austin Green from Euroleague Adventures. Um, so without further ado, here's my chat with him. Uh, and all things EuroLeague and a little bit of uh, Australian basketball. So enjoy that. All right. So on the show this week, uh, actually pretty strange occurrence for me to have actually an interview face-to-face uh, with Austin Green, uh, a return guest. Austin, thanks for taking some time here in Serbia, in, of, in Belgrade. Of course. Thanks for having me. Um so Austin, uh, way back in uh, actually, I didn't look at the date, uh, but you were on episode one eighty three. Um, see if I can go back to that one eighty three, and you were there for uh, Lost Crossovers then dot com, uh, March sixteenth two thousand sixteen. Wow, 
Yeah, a little over two years ago. Yeah, I was in I was in Sevilla then. I remember doing that call from like my tiny bedroom in Sevilla. <laughs> um, and now you're here um, covering the EuroLeague uh, Final Four. We're here in Belgrade for the EuroLeague Final Four, and um, you're here uh, obviously with the EuroLeague Adventures crew, um, and obviously uh, listeners to the show for a long time know know that crew. Um, maybe just. Catch up for for those who might uh, who, who might not uh, have caught up with you. I guess maybe an abbreviated uh, synopsis of what's gone on since then. Um, you're actually down in Australia right now. Uh, maybe just how you got uh, brought into the Euroleague adventures and and uh, and and how that's treating you. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I met those guys in 2015 when I first moved to Madrid and was writing about the ACB and prospects in Spain. Uh, so I met Rob, Scott, and Sam Meyerkopf doing that. And then we just kind of like built a friendship and started collaborating uh, kind of off and on for a little while. Um, and then more recently, Rob Scott and George Rowland and I have been doing the EuroLeague Adventures podcast pretty consistently uh, throughout the season. Uh, we try to do like an episode per week if we can. And then uh, we did a lot of stuff during Eurobasket and, you know, some of the bigger international events over the past couple of years. Um, and then, yeah, me personally, I was in Madrid for a year and then I was in Sevilla for a year. Uh, and then, yeah, most recently in Melbourne, Australia, I've been there for about the last five months, uh, just kind of checking out the Australian basketball scene, the NBL, the, the league there is growing really quickly in terms of quality and popularity. And so it's been really cool to check that out. Um, and then also getting a look at some of the Australian U18 kids and kind of that next generation coming up because they're one of the big talent producers in the basketball world right now. So it's it's been cool kind of checking out that whole scene, but like, man, it feels so good to be back in <laughs> Europe, be back in Belgrade, you know, walking on, walking on cobblestones and, uh, you know, seeing the EuroLeague Final Four posters up everywhere. And yeah, I'm, I'm really excited for this week. I think it's going to be a great one. Yeah, we'll come back maybe a little bit to the Australian basketball. Um, I know that was something I wanted to ask you about as well. Um, and do you have any other basketball planned uh, that you know of uh, on this tour of Europe or is this just um, just take this one in and then don't know yet yeah I'm not 100% sure what's going to be after this um, hopefully I, I was hoping to go to Spain maybe and see some ACB playoff games um, there's like that NBA global camp in Italy that I would I would love to go check out that's like uh, it, essentially it was the Adidas Euro camp but then Adidas NBA elite yeah elite international camp or something yeah, like? yeah I think elite global camp I okay, think is what they're calling it yeah camp. but uh, yeah Adidas backed out after their whole controversy in mm -hmm. the U.S. And so, um, yeah, so that event is kind of changing. But hopefully hopefully, I'll be able to go to that and check that out. Uh, but, yeah, it's very very much up in the air right now. Right now I'm just kind of focused on these, uh, these final four games and then all the ANGT games. I'll be going to those as well. Yeah, some great stuff there for sure. Um, I guess before we get to the games uh, – Next year's Final Four, they announced going to be in Vittoria Gasteiz. Yeah. Vasconia uh, um, will be the host team, I guess, host city, whatever. Um, have you ever been up there? And, and I have. What do you uh, What do you think about them being uh, host uh, host cities? Cities. You could even say host countries with Basque country. Um, what do you think about uh, Victoria Gasteiz as, as the host 
I think year. I think it's really cool. Uh, I thought it was kind of it was an unexpected decision for me. I remember Moscow had been kind of rumored for a little while, uh, so I was a little bit surprised. And it's not necessarily the type of city that they've been going to in recent years with uh, you know Milan and London and Berlin like it seemed like they were focused more on like big cities with a lot of people and big like kind of cultural histories I guess and uh, and Vittoria is definitely not like your typical European tourist destination but it's a basketball city like through and through like Basconia fans are wild they pack that arena like I've, I've been to Fernando Buesa Arena once uh, it was for a game against Unicaja Malaga in the in the ACB and it was wild like I, I think it might have been the loudest arena I've, I've heard in Spain uh, there was like you know 12 13,000 people in there going crazy and in Vitoria um, I was only up there for a couple days but it's kind of a it's a cool little city uh, the arena is really f- like far away from everything so that's unfortunate um, like it's it's basically like I don't know like a wheat field and is like the only thing around uh, but yeah, overall, I, I, I think it's going to be cool. I think uh, it's obviously good for the Spanish teams, for, for Basconia, of course, uh, for Real Madrid, for Barcelona, if they can kind of get their act together next season. I think if, the, I think if any of the Spanish teams make it, uh, they'll have a big advantage because it'll be easy for their fans to travel and to see that. Um, and yeah, I, I, I just love Spain in general, so I'm happy that the Final Four is going to be back. We haven't done a, I haven't done a lot of... Uh, Euroleague on the show this season, I guess, um, and you know, I, you don't have to go in depth as far as um, you know that that much in depth. But maybe you know, this is the second season where uh, where there's the thirty game uh, regular season before right. the playoffs. Um, maybe just one or two of the highlights that you really remember of, of this season. Of the regular season, maybe, and then and then and then maybe just one or two surprises. Just what really stands out from this regular season for you from the Euroleague? Right. Yeah. The things that jump out to me: one uh, is one of the teams that's here at the Final Four, and we'll talk oh, about them. I'm sure Zagiris Kaunas, uh, just complete surprise team. I thought they would maybe finish like tenth or eleventh or twelfth, somewhere in that range. You know, uh, they they were a good team last year. They almost made the playoffs. Uh, but then they lost a lot of their key pieces. And so I was really surprised uh, to see them do as well as they did. But th- it was awesome. I loved it. I, I think, you know, Yasekevichis is obviously an incredible coach. I love watching Kevin Pangos and Yankunis and Ulanovis and all of these all of these guys. Um, and, and, of course, in Lithuania, it's like basketball's like a religion. And that arena, they pack that. And I'm sure they'll have quite a few fans here. So Zalgiris was a big highlight for me. Um, of course, just kind of the the continued progression of Luka Doncic has been really cool to follow. Um, I know you'll re- you'll remember seeing him at, at the A and G T when yeah he was 16 years old playing against kids two years older than him and uh, won the MVP at that. And so um, you know I don't think it's any any surprise that he's been on an upward trajectory, but it's cool to kind of see him uh, you know live that out and then. Elsewhere, yeah, just I, I mean, Seska have been incredibly, 
impressive this season. I think you know they were clearly the best team throughout the regular season. Um, but yeah, it's 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 been an interesting year, and I I think the thirty the thirty game format, and then going into the playoffs, and then the final four. I think that was a great decision. I think it's it's been really fun the past couple of years. Um, you know the whole the the group stage and the top sixteen format like that had its had had its benefits. Um, but I think having everyone play each other twice just makes it a lot more even. Makes it. Um, you know, more fair. You you don't have teams who are skating by because they got an easier draw. It's you know every every team has to earn it. Like no no team is getting to the playoffs on a fluke or getting to the final four on a fluke. So I think that was a, a welcome change. I'm kind of a romanticist, and, and and you know we saw in 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 football soccer the Champions League. We saw Bayern Munich against Real Madrid in the semifinals, and you know you just. Those those games, those matches, just mean you know so much more because they, you know they don't they don't play each other right. every year and, and they don't play each other twice a year and um, and then obviously the 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 magnitude of of, of that um, and 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 actually I think a couple of weeks ago we talked about um, uh, we talked to Kyle Hines and, and he said you know yeah it had been a long time since he had played in Bamberg because. Uh, Olympiacos didn't get drawn or right. you know wasn't in the same group. Um, thoughts about that? I mean, like I said, I'm a little bit more of a romanticist, and I just you know love these big games. And to me, it, you you lose some of that. Yeah, for sure, I can see that point. I think it's uh, it's it's a difficult balance to strike because if you have these teams that are that are split into groups, um, you know it's. Like like I said, I think some teams, if they get a, a little bit of an easier draw, they're able to go through. This way, I think, is the best way of determining you know who the best teams are, making sure that the best get through. But I do I do understand kind of that idea of you know the the rare meeting between these teams and uh, kind of the the mystique that that can bring. And so I think that's a fair point for sure. And and definitely um, you know it's not a completely closed league, but it's pretty close to that and uh while that is uh you know while that's great for the clubs that have the a licenses and that are always gonna you know know that they have a spot i do think it's a bit of a bummer that um you know there's not more of like a sporting merit coming from coming up from like winning your domestic league or finishing top two or top three whatever it may be and getting through I, th- I think it's unfortunate that some of these teams like FS and uh, Milano and a, and a couple teams can kind of just you know uh, finish at the bottom of the standings in Euro League every year and keep coming back while while other good teams are getting punished or, or not getting rewarded and so that that part's a bit of a bummer but it's it's a tough balance to strike you know and do you like the expansion? I mean, I, I saw that 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 uh, Bayern starting, what the not not next season, but the season after, will have two years of a of a of a license to the to the Euroleague. I that's actually to to be honest, something that I really didn't follow. Adding two teams is that. Or is, or is it? Yeah, I think the I think it's probably going to be Bayern and then Asvel from from right. France, um, which again seems. Uh, it seems like they're, uh, you know, they're rewarding the clubs that that have some money and can put some money into the roster and can. Oswald uh, being Tony Parker's club, right? And Bayern, obviously, we know. Yeah, and then um, you know, so it's, it seems like they're kind of rewarding the bigger clubs that have some money and will be able to be willing to spend money on rosters and and get fans into the arena and stuff, and that that's great. But uh, at the same time. 
awarding the the wild cards to specific teams this far in advance. Uh, I don't I don't necessarily love that. I'd like to see those teams earn it by you know finishing near the top of their domestic league. Uh, and is it going to be an actual exp- expansion or is it just going to be? I'm not 100% sure okay, yet. Good. Yeah, I think right. it seems like they're going to expand to 18 and then potentially more in the future. We'll see. It seems like the domestic leagues, like as a whole, the health of the domestic leagues is kind of going down. I see that I see that with Bumberg this year for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, especially if you're fighting a couple of injuries. You know, Bumberg's been hit with uh, a couple of their main players. You know, Mitrovic, Taylor, you know, they're not even playing much this year at all. So um, before we get to the Final Four, obviously the announcement was also all the early – uh, first team, we'll just do the first team. We'll leave the second team. Uh, Kaletas, uh, Nando De Colo, Luka Doncic, uh, Shingelia, and Jan Vesely. Thoughts on that? It's I mean, it's a good five. It's it's hard to argue with any of those spots. I think uh, some guys you could have put up there, uh, Kevin Pangos, I think had an amazing season. Uh, kind of clearly the engine driving Zalgiris to this point. Um, Alexi Shved was, you know, the leading scorer and, uh, you know, obviously did a, did a lot of good things for Kimki. Um, so I, I, I think there were some guys that you could have put on that first team who also had strong arguments, but it's, it's difficult to, to disagree with any, any of those picks. Yeah, yeah. It's like, you can't, I, I don't think you can take Doncic off. You know, he averaged like 16, four and four basically on one of the best teams as an, as an 18 and 19 year old. And, uh, you know, Decolo, just incredible score. And uh, with Seska being so much better than all the other teams in terms of record. Mm-hmm. Vesely, like, you have to reward somebody from Fenerbahce. He's, uh, you know, he's probably their most important player. Um, who else? I'm, I'm leaving someone off. Shingalia. Shingalia. Shingalia was awesome all season. Basconia, a, a bit of a surprise, I think, after a slow start. Uh, you know, they were 0-4 under Pablo Prigioni, brought in Pedro Martinez to coach, and then their season really turned around, and Shangelia was a huge part of that. And then, yeah, Kalathis with, with Panathinaikos was incredible all season long. I, th- I think he would probably be my pick for MVP. Even, even, yeah, even though Panathinaikos lost in the, in the playoffs, um, I thought he was just incredible all season long, uh, plays really well on both ends of the floor, incredible vision, passer, rebounds, uh, he scores even though he's got like the ugliest shot in Europe he's he's still able to to put up quite a few points uh and then I think just kind of his uh, his mentality and his competitive spirit uh with that Panathinaikos team was was a big factor so yeah I think I, th- I think overall good uh good good five to choose I think it was cool also that that he for example in that first FIBA basketball world cup European qualifiers window came and, and played that second game for for Greece as well I thought you know him and and take a combo and um, trying to blink on the, the third guy, but you know that he you know said stepped up and said uh, you know I'm gonna go play. Uh, Final four, uh, you you mentioned uh, the surprise Shagiris. I think it's uh, it, for me it was amazing that they've that they've um, I think it's they never passed the quarterfinals since '99 even. Yeah. Um, uh, the fact that they're there is just uh, an amazing. I guess testament to to Charles and what he's what he's done. I mean, not to take anything away from the players, but you know, every time I've talked to anybody from Shagiris, they all say you know it's amazing to just to be able to talk to to him and, and learn from him. You have the same thing at Fenerbahce with Obradovic. Um, Obradovic, uh, Fenerbahce reigning champs. Uh, looking at the the games that they played this year, 
uh, back in round 12 uh, in Istanbul. Ch- uh, Chagiris actually got the win, mm-hmm. uh, one point. And in the game in uh, in Ch- in, uh, in Kaunas, uh, it was a seven-point victory by Fenerbahce, but um, uh, Chagiris was actually leading by seven, uh, six after three quarters. Uh, maybe just give us... You know, you you're you're probably most likely going to do something for Euroleague, and you know, obviously, you know that's uh, Euroleague adventures, and that'll be sort of your bread and butter. But maybe give us an abbreviated uh, preview, or maybe just thoughts about uh, a breakdown of what you think about this this uh, this game. Yeah, I th- I think this one's going to be awesome. Um, both with you know very good fan bases, uh, they're they're going to travel well. Uh, it's going to be an incredible environment. I think Fenerbahce fans always travel well and are are going crazy all the time. And Zagiris Kaunas, of course, great great fans in Lithuania, uh, and they'll be excited for like you said, what is a, a really surprise trip to the final four for them. Um, yeah, I think like Paulius Yankunas has been on the team since 2002 or 2003 and had never played in a playoff game before <laughs> in EuroLeague. And so for them to, to get to this point, um, you know, basically nobody on the roster had playoff experience. Uh, they took down Olympiacos who were, you know, granted were kind of injured and old and uh, n- not, at the, not at full strength, but um, for Zagiris to, to advance this far is, is a big accomplishment. And I think for this game against Fenerbahce, the, fir- the first thing you have to look at is the coaching duel. I think that's going to be fascinating. Uh, Jasikevicius, of course, played for Obradovic um, and transitioned to the bench incredibly smoothly. I think usually you see players when they be great players when they become coaches it's pretty hit or miss like some guys can't really do it uh, but Yasakevich is he's, he's been great and uh, you know he just has these guys playing such a beautiful offense they're so well drilled they execute perfectly uh, just great motion Kevin Pangos like I was saying is kind of the engine that that drives the whole thing he's so good at breaking down defenses off the dribble uh, good vision passing the ball he's an elite three point shooter so if teams try to sag off of him he's going to punish them that way so I think I think slowing him down is kind of the main uh, priority for Fenerbahce is if if they can slow down Kevin Pangos then they're going to be in a pretty good spot so I think they're, they're going to be really physical with him they've got some big guards Brad Wanamaker's an incredibly strong guy uh, you know they're, they're big elsewhere with uh, Marco Guduric and Datome and Kalinic they've, they've, they've got some big guys all, along the perimeter so I think they're going to try to rough up Pangos be physical with him try to take him out of his game and that's kind of where it starts but they're, they're there's a lot of weapons on the Zalgiris team, so it's it's going to be uh, it's going to be an exciting matchup. Maybe the matchup that you're, you know, watching the most, or maybe uh, you know, if you want to call it that, or you want to call it an X factor that that you think that maybe besides what the what the what Fenerbahce's guards are able to do with Pongo is just one other. Maybe an X Vector or, or another matchup that you're looking at. Yeah, I think Brandon Davies versus uh, Jan Vesely inside is going to be really important. Davies, I think, you know, kind of really exploded in the playoffs against Olympiacos. He was incredible, had, you know, 20 plus points in, I think, all four games or three of the four. 
he was he was really awesome, and he was great against Fenerbahce in the two games they played earlier this season. Uh, Vesely is, you know, he's an incredible weapon offensively with his ability to finish alley oops, and seems like he dunks from the free throw line sometimes. And he'll he'll get some big blocks, and you know he'll make some spectacular defensive plays. But I think possession by possession, he's not necessarily a great defender. I think he has some lapses. He's prone to giving up offensive rebounds if guys get physical with him. I think sometimes he'll he'll shy away from that. So I think it's going to be really important for Zalgiris to have uh, Davies, you know, asserting himself down low, uh, getting offensive rebounds and, and easy putbacks. And then on the other end, they they have to try to contain Vesely somehow because. It seems like, um, you know, just from a from an emotional standpoint, like a Jan Vesely dunk should be worth like four points. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like when when he throws down an alley oop, the crowd goes crazy. Uh, you know, it gets it gets really tough. I think for a team to kind of keep their composure and focus uh, once the once the intensity of the fans gets going up to up to full speed. And so I think if they let him get a few dunks early, the crowd gets into it. Uh, gets loud. Maybe Zalgiris makes a couple turnovers. Fenerbahce hits a couple threes. I think things could get out of hand uh, pretty quickly. So, um, yeah, I think containing him is going to be a big key and then just kind of keeping their composure for Zalgiris uh, because Fenerbahce is going to make runs. There's not really any way to any way to stop that yeah they're gonna they're gonna put up some points so i think it's gonna be really important for them to just kind of keep their keep their composure keep their cool keep doing what they've been doing all season uh so it's 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 gonna be a test of of their mental toughness but i think yasakevich has those guys well prepared Uh, um fenerbahce csk and 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 real madrid were you know okay real madrid you can kind of wonder maybe not maybe not everybody had him on their list, but it was definitely a short list to make it to the final right. four. I, I think this the one of the biggest, you know, I, I, for me, this biggest story is the the, the fact that Chuck Gears is here. I guess the question that I that I, I, I want to end with with this game, and then we'll move to the other one is, when did you think, what point of the season? Maybe it's the quarterfinal playoffs, but when when was the point in this season where you thought, you know, what maybe this Chuck Gears team actually could make it to the final four? Yeah, it wasn't really until the playoffs. I I think about halfway through the season, before that, you know, first 10 games, it was obvious that this was a really good team and that they were going to be playoff contenders. Um, But, you know, I was thinking if they made the playoffs, probably as an eight seed and then they're going to get swept by Seska or as a seven seed and then they got to play Fenerbahce and then that's, you know, that's really tough. But, uh, yeah, where they surprised me was just the second half of the season. They were phenomenal. They were able to move up into uh, the sixth seed, which was really important. They could, the yeah, guys. exactly. Play Olympiacos, who had some injuries. And, uh, you know, Spinulis, as great as he is, is in his mid-30s now. And so I think they caught Olympiacos at the right time. And even before that, I, I picked Olympiacos to win that series in five games. I thought their experience and their championship toughness and, you know, kind of battle-tested group – I, th- I thought that would be the difference, uh, and it clearly didn't. <laughs> it clearly didn't matter. You know, Zalgiris was ready for it. So uh, yeah, I've kind of been doubting them uh, to get to this point, and they keep proving me wrong. And so um, yeah, it's it, it's cool to have them here, though. I, th- I think it's it's nice to mix it up a little bit. Like you said, the other three teams were all more or less expected to get here. Uh, all three teams were at the final four uh, last year, so it's cool to have Zalgiris here, get some variety in the group, and and kind of a Cinderella story to to throw in. To it, um, I guess bringing back to that point, what I said, you know, the um, 
the romanticist, you know, CSK Moscow, Red, uh, Real Madrid games just over the decades of early of European basketball have, have always been, you know, very often been big games right. as well. We had the two games during the season. Uh, one went uh, one went for Real Madrid, and the other one went uh, for uh, CSK. You know, these teams, you know, have a lot of great champions. I think probably CSK have a little more um, the veterans on that team. Just break down this game, sort of the same way you you, you broke down uh, Fenerbahce, Shagiris. Uh, what do you think about uh, CSK Real Madrid? Yeah, I think this one's going to be a lot of fun. I think it's going to be a shootout. Two great offensive teams. Um, I think kind of the most interesting storylines. Uh, one, of course, you got Sergio Yul returning, which I think was kind of a surprise for everyone. Tore his ACL in August, was able to make it back about eight months later for the playoffs, and looked pretty good. Like I don't, I don't think his like shooting percentages were particularly great, but just in terms of his mobility and his explosiveness, he he looked better than I thought. And uh, you know, and we're talking about the reigning Euroleague MVP. So to get mm-hmm. a guy like that back a month before the Final Four, he can kind of play himself into shape a little bit, reintegrate himself, um, get to know some of the new guys on the team because there's some guys he hasn't played with. Uh, I th- I think that's a a, a huge X factor for Real Madrid and, and a big like kind of confidence boost as well. Just having him there, a guy you know you can go to war with, I think that's huge for them. And then uh, and the other interesting storyline for me is they're going to be going up against Sergio Rodriguez, nice. <laughs> who of course uh, you know was with Real Madrid for a long time, won the 2015 championship with these guys. Now he's on the other end. I think that's a pretty fascinating development. Uh, I I don't know if I ever expected a Yule versus Rodriguez Final Four matchup, but I'm so glad that it's happening. Like, I, I think that's going to be a lot of fun. Um, I know that DeColo and Heinz didn't play in the uh, quarterfinals, the playoffs, uh, and I, saw, I noticed that they didn't play against uh, against Zenit on May 5th. Um, Heinz said in his uh, in the interview a couple weeks ago that, that he's back in practice and, uh, and, and uh, expects to play. Do, do you know as far as what their status are? I mean, we're 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 talking the Tuesday before the 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 media is going to be uh, talking to the guys on Thursday. But do you have any idea what's their status? Yeah. So uh, Decolo played in the most recent, uh, I think the most recent VTB league game. Okay. Um, so I think he's uh, I think he's back. And yeah, if if Heinz said he's going to be ready to go, I would trust his word on that. Like that guy's. That guy's a machine. I wouldn't. I wouldn't expect a, any minor injury to keep Kyle Hines out of a Final Four. That would be a major disappointment. Um, X Factor, key matchup, whatever that you're watching on this. Yeah, I think. Uh, I think. X-Factors for Real Madrid, I think Anthony Randolph uh, is a guy who can really swing the game either direction depending on which Anthony Randolph shows up. Mm-hmm. If, he's, uh, if he's active and aggressive uh, but also composed at the same time and, and making good decisions, uh, he's, you know, he's, he's one of the top 10 players in Europe, I think, when, when his head's on straight and when he's uh, playing up to the best of his abilities. So I think if, if, he's, um, you know, if he's kind of at full strength and focused, I, I think he's going to be a big factor. Uh, and then also for Real Madrid, Rudy Fernandez, uh, I think his health 
has been an issue for the last couple of years. He's had back pain and has been kind of up and down, but he's looked really, really good at times this year. And if, if he's healthy uh, with yeah with, with his ability to play make, uh, with his ability to shoot threes and, and defend, uh, you know, I think he's a big addition for Real Madrid. And he'll be able to take a lot of pressure off of Doncic. And I think that's another benefit of Yule being there is they just have guys who can take some pressure off of him so he doesn't have to do do so much uh and then on the other side for Seska I think Corey Higgins has been one of the most underrated players in EuroLeague for a long time I think because he's on a team with uh De Colo and now Rodriguez previously with Teodosic uh I think he's a, a guy who's kind of been overshadowed because he's playing with these star players but I think he's a an excellent player both ends of the court uh I think I think he could have a potentially a really big game and kind of swing this for Seska. And the other the other guy on their team that I love is Nikita Kurbanov. Um, I think he'll probably get a lot of time on Luka Doncic. And if he's uh, if he's able to be physical with Doncic and take him out of his out of his rhythm, make him uncomfortable, uh, that could be a big key for Seska as well. And the guy I love is always loved has been uh, Vrontsevich as well too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's he's been up and down this year. Yeah. He's 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 pretty inconsistent, but when he has it going, like he's a he's a flamethrower. Like a, a guy his size who can shoot like that, uh, he's he's a a really problematic matchup if he's uh, if he's feeling it. Uh, who do you think plays Sunday in the in the final at Stark Arena? Yeah, it's tough. I think. I mean, I've been doubting Zalgiris, and they keep proving me wrong, and so I feel stupid doing this, but I'm going to say Fenerbahce wins that game. I think uh, it's kind of like my heart is with Zalgiris. Head, head with your exactly. head instead of your heart. Exactly. I think, I think the, the kind of determining factor in that will be um, I, th- I think Fenerbahce's size and their ability to shoot the three is going to be really problematic for Zalgiris. I, need to, I was get, planning on going back and watching their second game. Uh, I saw it at the time, but I want to go back and watch that. But it was relatively I, recent, round 25. So. Yeah, and I, I just watched, um, I rewatched their first meeting, and one of the things that Fenerbahce was really able to take advantage of is they were posting up Kevin Pangos with guys like Datome and James Nunnally and uh, Marco Guduric, and they were able to post him up and kind of get easy buckets, or if Zalgiris brought help, they were able to kick it out to the three-point line, and uh, those guys are just like automatic shooters, like Datome, you, can, you can't give give some of those guys an inch of space Melly uh, is the same way uh, so I'll, I'll take Fenerbahce there and then I think it'll probably be Seska in the other game um, I think that'll be a close matchup I think it, it, like I said it's going to be a shootout it's going to be a fun one uh, but I think Seska just the more well-rounded team I trust them to get stops more when it matters most. Uh, I think guys like Kyle Hines and Othello Hunter, their ability to to play defense uh, at the rim while also going out and guarding some of the perimeter guys, I think that's going to be a big factor. So I think on Sunday we'll have a rematch of the the 2016 final. It'll be Seska versus Fenerbahce. And uh, will it be Fenerbahce hosting a second, or will uh, CSK Moscow pick up title number eight yeah i'm wary about predicting this one until i see what happens on friday but i i think it'll i think it'll be seska i think uh what sergio rodriguez brings to that team in terms of 
of course, his ability to pass and shoot, but also just his his demeanor. He's a very level-headed guy. Uh, Seska, of course, have had pr- well you know well-known problems at previous Final Fours where they've made stupid turnovers or uh, made big mental mistakes in critical moments. And Rodriguez, I don't think is is going to let that happen. Doesn't have a history yeah. of doing. Yeah, that. I think he's a, he's a calming presence, um, and I think I think he'll kind of be the difference that puts them over the top. I, I can't wait for the uh, really both games. I mean the Shagiris, you know, just the the coaching matchup. You know how how Yasukevich is is going to try to stop all of the weapons, and and then how Obradovich is going to use all of his experience and know that the tricks that Sharas is going to try to use. Yeah, and yeah, it's fascinating. Those. Yeah, I think tactically it's it's going to be a really yeah. interesting game. Like yeah. they they both. Uh, you know when I'm when I'm watching games and I'm trying to you know kind of I'll, you'll see who scores and you'll say like okay well how did they how did they create that shot what happened there and you you go back ten or twenty seconds and you watch the play and how it develops and the off ball movement and the, the back screens and the misdirection and all of this stuff like both 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 coaches are just incredibly smart they uh, they have their teams very well drilled they're gonna they're gonna be incredibly prepared. They're both going to execute well. I, I, I think it's going to be really interesting. And, um, you know, in a one-game setting, it's it's probably going to come down to who makes the better in-game adjustments. And, uh, you know, it's it's really tough to predict how that's going to go. So I, I think both of those guys, yeah, they're, they're going to be great. It's it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, you mentioned the, the Australians. Uh, you know, you've been able to go to quite a few games and, and, and watch a lot of the N- uh, NBL um, maybe you went there with a with a certain maybe idea, maybe a certain preconceived notion about what it what it's like, and um, right. you knew some of the guys, uh, I'm sure, and maybe how that how that uh, compared to actually what you thought and what do you think in general of it? Yeah, I I had heard that the league was on the rise. Um, I had talked to uh, Danny Mills, who's a scout for the Philadelphia 76ers and has been kind of involved in the European basketball scene for a long time. He's Australian. Uh, I had talked to him a little bit about it before I went, and he said the league was really underrated and uh, the the level of talent there was, was kind of on the rise. Uh, one, one thing that they did was they added a third import spot a couple of years ago. It used to just be two imports uh, per team, and then they added a third spot. And what that did was uh, previously you had two imports, so you would have like a point guard and a big guy was what most teams did. And then when they added the third spot, teams started adding these like athletic small forwards mm-hmm. and shooting guards. And so that really like upped the overall athleticism of the league and uh, it forced the domestic players to kind of improve yeah. as well and you know work harder in the gym and make sure that they're eating right and uh, you know coming coming to the to the season in peak physical condition to be able to compete and so I think that kind of brought the overall quality of the league up so I, I had some high hopes before I went and it was uh, it, it lived up to them I thought I thought the overall uh, quality of the league was really high I was in Melbourne uh, so I was mostly going to Melbourne United games they were the eventual champions uh, they had they had some guys that European fans would recognize uh, Chris Goulding uh, or Chris Golding I should say uh, he was at Zaragoza for a while um, 
who else? They had uh, Josh Boone, Casper uh, Ware, who's played for Asvel a couple times. Um, David Anderson, Australian mm-hmm. veteran. He didn't. Uh, he, he's at the tail end of his career, so he didn't contribute a ton. Um, but he was a guy who's played in Europe before. But yeah, overall, the quality of the league is is really good. The the way I kind of described it to people is. If you were comparing it to like the Greek League or the Turkish League or the Italian League, Germany, I think the top four teams in Australia, the four playoff teams, I think they would compete for a playoff spot in those leagues. Like, you know, maybe if you if you took Melbourne United or you took um, the Adelaide 36ers who were the runners-up, if you just plucked those teams and put them in Germany, I think they could compete for like, you know, sixth, seventh, eighth seed, something like that. Um, if, if you put one of the top teams in Europe in that league, they would win it, no question. But uh, it's, it's, you know, it's, a, it's a good league overall. I think uh, it's a very professionally run league as well, um, like we were talking about before we started recording. Basically, um, they had a multimillionaire guy who bought the league and has been throwing money into it and is really serious about bringing uh, the quality of the league up and, and increasing the popularity around Australia. And he's made some great moves that have that have generated some revenue. And so I think as fan interest increases, uh, as they get some TV deals, Andrew Bogut recently just signed there, which is which is going to be huge in terms of exposure within Australia and also abroad. I think as, as the league starts to, uh, you know, kind of gain some recognition. I think the the outside talent quality is is only going to improve. I think they're going to draw better and better imports. And then the domestic players in Australia, uh, Australia is really good at developing their young talent. And I think, uh, you know, with with a, a big influx of like South Sudanese immigrants, uh, there's a, a whole new population there that uh, there's a lot of kind of untapped talent. And so I think uh, you're going to see that league continue to progress and uh, probably eventually take some of the better guys from top European leagues. Uh, you know, they're going to be competing. Competing for some of the same some some of the same players, and Australia is going to be a really attractive option. Well, I mean, one of the options about or one of the good things about that Australian league is that they it, it ends early enough that they can that those guys could actually come back and right. I mean, Mitch Mitch Creek, you know, is one of the leaders of the Australian national team in in these qualifiers in the World Cup qualifiers. He came and signed with with Göttingen in Germany. You know, right. it's. It's something that, you know, you can do uh, Jerome Randall. Yeah, uh, Mitch, Mitch McCarron was another one this they, year. You know, those guys can come to either Americans or or Australians can then finish their league in Australia and then even come over and play in Europe. And I think that's an advantage as, as well for, you know, say they get to enjoy the summer down in, in, in Australia and then come over uh, to finish a European league. Yeah, I think yeah, it's a very attractive option from that standpoint. Uh, like you said, like there were quite a few guys who came over to Europe. Uh, Demetrius Conger went to went to Hoventu Badalona and helped them win some games and avoid relegation in the ACB. Um, Mitch McCarron uh, went to Slovenia. Creek, as you said, went to Germany and and was a, a contributing player for them. And so also not only going to Europe, but they could also, if they wanted, uh, try to chase like a 10-day contract in the NBA. Mm-hmm. If they're, um, you know, if they're that level of, of player, they, they have that option. And so I think that's very attractive. Um, for me, if, if I was like a 23, 24, 25-year-old American guy, and I'd been in the G League for a year or two and was kind of getting sick of that lifestyle, I would definitely look into going to the NBL. Because 
like you said, it's summer in Australia. It's great weather. Everyone speaks English, so it's not much of a culture shock or a, a big adjustment. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, all of the coaches, of course, speak English and the teammates and everything. Uh, the you, You'll get a nice paycheck. The paychecks will show up on time, mm-hmm. which is obviously not, uh, not always the case with some European clubs. And then the season ends early. You can you can chase a ten day contract. You can go sign in Europe and get another nice check for a couple months, um, so or yeah, even step yeah. up. You know, like if 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 you're playing for a mid level team in 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 one of these countries and and they you play well against one of the leaders, one a Euro League team or a Euro Cup team, then maybe next season you can be in the Euro Cup for sure. You know, yeah, or, or Euro League. Yeah, definitely. Um, you mentioned Bo- Bogut coming back, um, and uh, one of the other things that you're starting to see a little bit more is like, um, uh, what's his name? Harry Froling coming right. back. You know, um, Tom Wilson, Jack McVeigh, Jack, Mc- Jack McVeigh, um, and then a couple of the guys also staying there. Uh, some of the younger players, a lot of them still going to the states to go to college. Um, uh, do you do you think that 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 especially you look at guys like Froling, who's a big name, obviously just with all the name that 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 the name recognition that that whole family has, and 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 and, uh, and we'll see. You know, these guys won a silver medal at the World U seventeen World Cup mm, a couple of years yeah. ago. Do you think that that says that that might help keep some of these players? You know, that's a big problem that Australia's had. I think that might keep some of the elite guys in Australia. I think so. I think. Uh you know, if you're a player, I think it's natural to kind of follow the path of the players who came before you, who are from where you are from. Um, I, I was talking to Ryan Brokoff for an interview a couple months ago, um, and he was saying that Joe Ingles was a guy whose path where he wanted to follow, where it's like, yeah, he went to went to Europe, played at a high level in Europe, uh, and then was able to parlay that into an NBA contract and then stick around. And Ryan Brokoff was saying, like, when he finished college, he signed with the same agent as Joe Ingles because he thought that was a, a reasonable route for him to take. And so I think if you're a young player and you're seeing uh, Australians go to the NCAA, play very well, and then come back to Australia, I think that's going to have a big impact on the way you think about your career and your future. And so if you're you know, 17, 18-year-old Australian, you're probably looking at these guys who are coming back at 22 and 23, and you're looking up to those guys and, and thinking that that's you know, a, a route that you want to take. And so I think that's going to have a big impact on the health of the league. Um, you know, Maybe we'll see less guys going from the NCAA to Europe and more guys going from the NCAA back to Australia. I, mean, like, I, I know that's a that's a big uh, a big thing that the NBL wants to try to stress is that you know these guys can come back, come home, get a good salary, play at a really high level, and, and improve as players. And you also had Terrence Ferguson. You know, went to right. you know instead of going to college at Arizona. Arizona, I believe, right? And then, you know, went to, uh, God, where did he go? Adelaide. Adelaide, right? Yeah. 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 So, you know, he ended up getting drafted, you know. So it's, you know, there's that that, that route that, that these kids can see. Um, anybody, I mean, I, I know some of the under-18 team. You know, we saw them in... in, in um, uh, in, uh, in at the Albert Schweitzer tournament, right. um, you know we have the under eighteen Asia Championship coming up. Uh, any guys that you're particularly watching? I mean, obviously Sam Froling is a guy that people know from two thousand generation. 
Uh, some of the guys, some of the younger guys that you're that you're really waiting to kind of see. Yeah, kind of the the name that you'll hear in Australian basketball circles that everyone's really excited about is uh, Tamari Wigness. Uh, <laughs> We're all w- yeah, Wignesses now. Yeah, yeah, he's uh, he's the kid to watch uh, if you you know if if you talk to people. I think in the Australian uh, like national team program, and I've heard NBL coaches say that they think he has NBA potential, and he's a he's a really cool player. I've, I was watching some of his games uh like from the u16 asia tournament and just a a, like a six foot point guard super quick incredible handle um you know obviously i think i think it would be great if he could get to like six foot two or something (laughs) but i think even even at six foot you know he's a he's a really exciting player to watch and an exciting prospect and i know uh, everyone in australia is is really excited about him coming up and then some other guys, I went to uh, the Australian Institute of Sport uh, and saw some of the, uh, the Center of Excellence kids Excellence. play. Um, so, uh, yeah, Samson Frawling, Harry's younger brother, he's going to Creighton. Uh, mm-hmm. He's an he's interesting prospect, kind of like 6'10", 6'11", uh, can shoot the three a little bit, uh, mobile guy. Um, Alexander Madran- Madranga, Madranja. I'm probably saying that incorrectly. He's he's going to St. Mary's. He's in like probably like the 30th Australian to go to St. Mary's. Yeah, uh, but he's he's point. yeah he's like a, a kind of big long armed point guard. Uh, he was the captain of that team. Like definitely like vocal leader. Like pretty like stereotypical Australian player. Just tough and gritty. You know. Um, and then. Yeah, they've they've got the NBA Global Academy there now, and so I think there's going to be a lot of kids from all over the world coming up, uh, coming up through that program, and that's going to be fascinating to watch. There was an, an Argentinian point guard, uh, Francisco Farabello, who was playing with the Australian kids when I saw them, and he was a really cool player, like six foot two point guard, long arms. Just that typical like Argentina swag, like you know, just two thousand one, right? Uh, I. Th- Think so, yeah. It's 2018 now. Yeah, he, yeah. So 2000, I think. So he'll be at the under 18 FIBA Americas. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so he he That's was a good generation. Yeah. For Argentina. Yeah. They also had a uh, Cafaro. Uh, yeah. He wasn't there when I saw him. He mm-hmm. uh, when I saw them play, he was actually in the U.S. visiting colleges, colleges and then yeah. he ended up signing at Virginia, Virginia right. uh, which is of course a. a great program and so that seemed like a a good move for him so yeah exciting stuff happening in australia uh i think that that global academy is going to bring bring players from all over the world they had like a a seven foot one indian kid uh on the team who was clearly still trying to you know feel out the game and uh you know has a lot to learn um but uh probably quite a bit of potential there and they've got uh, yeah, some guys from Argentina and Africa and just kind of all over the world. So it's uh, it's going to be cool to watch that develop over the next few years. Uh, just to kind of close off, we said uh, March uh, 2016. So you know you were you know pretty wet behind the ears. You know and you didn't really hadn't been uh, you know seen that much yet. You're just you know starting to get exposed to it. Now you're two years into your Euroleague adventure, I guess we call it that. But um, just just seeing basketball from from afar, uh, if you're you know let's say if you're in the United States, just a different style of basketball and everything else. Um, being as someone who's you know I guess until December you'd been back to the states and living in the states and you know as a presence on Twitter, people you know send you questions and ask you you know whatever. Um, sort of a sort of a misconception. Now obviously people are all you know 
you know, wondering what's up with Luka Doncic, and you know, mm-hmm. I'm sure people are asking you loads of questions about him. Maybe just in general, sort of your, you know, how you know you think about yourself two years ago, and, and the knowledge and of what you've been able to gain over those two years compared to what you knew then, and, and you were an interested person, and someone in America right now might not be interested at all, but just, you know, uh, maybe what your perception is of the state of the European game right now, focus let's on, on European, I know we were just talking about Australia, right. but focus on the European game right now, and where you see it's come since in the last two years, and maybe what what are one of the things that you that you either see that, that that the European game in general and that's kind of hard to say the European game in general right has to do or is is doing where you see it going yeah I, I know think, that's a big question yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I think uh, first just kind of starting at the at the top level at, at the Euroleague level I think um, you know when I when I came over to Europe for the first time, wasn't totally sure what to expect. Uh, I fell in love with, with the EuroLeague game immediately. I think if you're a basketball fan, um, even if you're an NBA fan who's only followed the NBA for your whole life, I think if you sat down and watched a few EuroLeague games and uh, you know kind of took the time to learn a little bit about the history, I, th- I think you'd fall in love with it pretty quickly because um, just the, the style of basketball, the, the way the teams move and share the ball, I think is is just a really attractive style to watch and of course the intensity and the fan atmosphere is is just uh it's an experience you know um looking at a team like Panathinaikos with their fan base uh when you when you watch a Panathinaikos game like you just feel something different than watching an NBA regular season game in November on a Tuesday you know Mm -hmm. it's a it's a different vibe um so I I think EuroLeague uh and also some of the the lower levels if we're talking Euro Cup and some of the domestic leagues um you know I think the the level of basketball is very high and I think that um you know, I think maybe Americans think that an American player could just come over here and immediately drop 30 points a game, and that's just not going to happen. Um, you know, I think the I think the the typical American fan would be surprised at how good the leagues are over here. Uh, I just saw Fran Fraschilla had a he tweeted out a Luka Doncic scouting report, and there was a lot of great information in there. And one nugget that I thought was really interesting was that in the Euroleague, among the 16 teams. 21 players are former first-round draft picks, 46 players are former second-round draft picks, and then that's not even including some of the guys who are the best in the league right now, like Kyle Hines wasn't drafted, Brad Wanamaker, Kevin Pangos, mm-hmm. Nicolo Melli, Paulius Yankunis. Like these were, these were the first guys who came to mind for me as guys who were at the top of the European game who weren't drafted in addition to all of those guys who were. So I think, you know, looking at EuroLeague, like the, the talent level is high. Uh, that, that goes without saying. Uh, one of the biggest problems I think facing EuroLeague and the European game as a whole is the NBA is just trying to scoop up every single player in the world. It seems like you know they they've got the G League expanded now. Almost every team has its own G League affiliate. They're doing these two way contracts now uh, to make the make it a little bit more attractive for some fringe NBA guys to stay in the states as opposed to coming over. And I think that's a big problem for EuroLeague teams because they're going to be uh, some of the high end talent. 
that they're trying to sign uh, to bring over to your clubs here, they're going to stay in the States. So I think EuroLeague and uh, EuroCup and FIBA Champions League and the domestic leagues, they just have to work really hard to make sure that the the leagues are being professionally run, that they're able, the teams are able to, you know, kind of generate some money and pay these guys good salaries and pay them on time so that they'll want to come over here and compete at a high level. Um, and, you know, I think that's, that's going to be what kind of determines the fate of European basketball uh, at the club level over the next few years is if teams are able to convince these guys that like, no, you don't want to be on, you don't want to be the 15th guy in the NBA sitting at the end of the bench. Uh, you know, look at, look at Epe Udo, uh, final four MVP, MVP last year, year. unbelievable player goes to the Utah jazz and, uh, had an impact early on in the season, but in the playoffs, I think he was getting, you know, he was getting DMPs. Uh, he was playing two minutes here and there. Uh, so I think it's it's on the the Euroleague clubs to convince these guys that uh, you don't want to go that route. You know, you want to be able to compete and uh, and so hopefully they're able to kind of maintain a certain level of professionalism and uh, and keep some of these top top guys uh, in Europe and and kind of bring over um, you know other good other good players in terms of also keeping European guys from from wanting to jump to the NBA. So that's going to be very tough to do. The NBA is obviously an incredible, uh, incredibly attractive option. Um, but yeah, if, if EuroLeague can kind of uh, hold on to some of these players, that'll put them in a good position over the next few years. Austin Green, tell people they can uh, follow you, find out all your stuff, uh, maybe quick plans of what you're, you guys are planning on the, for the EuroLeague adventures. Go over there. If you're interested at all EuroLeague, that is the place to uh to to follow uh tell people where they can catch you for sure yeah follow me on twitter at los crossovers and then yeah check out the euroleague adventures podcast uh rob scott and a couple of other of our friends sam Meyerkopf, simone yach uh these guys will arrive in belgrade tomorrow so i'm excited for that uh we're going to be doing a few podcasts throughout the week kind of previewing the games we'll be interviewing the players at the media day uh we'll do post-game analysis i think we're going to play around with some video uh kind of analysis type stuff and interviews so we're going to see how that goes uh so yeah check out euroleagueadventures.com you can subscribe to the podcast on uh you know anywhere you get your podcasts and then also i'll be doing um some articles for flowhoops.com they've just bought the north american uh rights to euroleague and so they're kind of getting started with their euroleague coverage so i'll do a couple articles uh for them this week i just did one that went up on Luka Doncic and how he matches up against Seska and how they could potentially try to exploit him. And so that'll be, uh, you know, definitely check those out. And yeah, follow me on Twitter. I'll, I'll have a lot of stuff coming up this week. Fantastic. Thanks a lot. And uh, we'll, uh, I guess we don't have to say we'll see you soon. We're actually <laughs> looking forward to enjoying the full week of, of hoops with you. Definitely. So, thanks. Thanks for coming on. All right. Great stuff. Yeah. Um, I can't wait for for that first game that uh that uh Abradovich and uh Abradovich and um Yaskevich's um it's just going to be fantastic basketball and 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 then I I I totally agree I think that that second game you know a shootout um 
to to live up to the to the to the amazing drama. I think that's going to be in that first game, and then you go just have two teams just shoot, you know, run and gun and shooting, and um, be, you know, probably Luka Doncic's final game. Um, so, yeah, great stuff by Austin. Go follow him. He's um, you know he's always been great, and uh, always enjoy um, chatting with him. And so go check him out. All right, so that's that's the the show this week. Uh, want to um, want to uh, thank him for coming on, uh, and yeah, very rare that I actually have a face to face interview. So it was, that was kind of cool uh, here in Belgrade. Um, so with um, last thing I want to let you know uh, let you know is the, what you're going to be listening to. The song is "What Wouldn't I Do." It's by a band called Stray Folk. It's available on freemusicarchive.org. Go check it out. Uh, Your League Final Four. Um, we're right there. And uh, next next week we'll review it and uh, maybe talk a little bit NBA. We'll see. But uh, definitely uh, talk a little bit. Uh, a lot of Your League Final Four again also and the Adidas Next Generation Tournament. So catch you next week. Uh, back from uh, when I'll be back in Germany. So take care. What wouldn't I do to have a woman like you? There's nobody here to hold my heart like you do And if it were up to me, I'd take the next early train To come back over and see you again And what wouldn't I do to have you back? I long for another few miles down the track and to crawl up beside when the night's dreary and dark To hold me close and mend my weary heart What wouldn't I do to get to know you? A little better than I already do And to follow that road to whatever end and Eternity or around the next bend what wouldn't I do to kiss your sweet lips And the smell of your skin I surely miss And that squint of your eye when you offer a smile Could carry me through any yardie or drive Oh, what wouldn't I do to forget about you It'd sure be easier if I hadn't a clue they honor somewhere is that love that I lost And that I would have kept no matter the cost Hey, what wouldn't I do for that sweet place? And that is not knowing what it is that you meant And to ease the load that bears down on my stride Darling, I've surely tried It might 
chamber is empty and hollow and dark My mind is a mess and broke is my heart As I wail and I whisper a song about her And that gentle wind that blew through her curls And I tell you that story of how it came to be That we walked alongside for a while she and me And what wouldn't I do to ride it again so I could change the way that it ends yeah, So I could change the way that it ends This is Per Antic, Macedonian national team captain and a member of Atlanta Hawks and you listening to Taking Charge.